Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Well, this afternoon, uh, I'm looking forward to bringing the Word. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Why don't you go with me to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to read from verse 11. Thank you, team. Awesome job. Luke says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Why don't you take a moment with me to pray? Father, we thank you so much for these words. We thank you that this word is living and active. And I pray that this afternoon, Holy Spirit, you would speak clearly and concisely and specifically to every single individual that is tuning into this service. Father, we have hearts that are ready to receive and we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and encourage our hearts, encourage our minds, but also challenge us where we need to be challenged. Father, we sit under your word this afternoon and we say, let your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you this afternoon from the title, The Turn Back Posture, The Turn Back Posture. Energy management has become a concept that is very popular these days. And the concept goes that all of us have a limited amount of energy. Some of us may have more than others, but the reality is we all have a limited amount of energy. Therefore, what we do with our energy, how we steward our energy is incredibly important. The reality is if we spend the majority of our energy complaining or focusing on losses, we'll have very little energy left to focus on celebrating the wins. If we spend our energy focusing on the problems, we'll have very little energy left to find solutions to those problems that we face. You see, while the language of our culture may be to complain and critique, the culture of the kingdom is thankfulness and gratitude. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus would regularly go away and spend time with the Father, thanking Him for who He is. And it's fascinating to me that the very night before Jesus would be arrested and ultimately violently crucified, He gathered with His disciples to have a meal where He gave thanks Here's Jesus giving thanks the very night before he would be crucified violently. Nearly all of Paul's, if you go to the New Testament, nearly all of Paul's letters begin with him giving thanks. 
Psalm 100 tells us, many of you would know it, we are told to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. The language of the kingdom is thankfulness and gratitude. And in this story, in Luke 17, we are introduced to 10 men who had leprosy. Their lives had more than likely been defined by this disease. They were spiritual and social outcasts. They were considered defiled and unclean. And sadly, their disease was considered in that time punishment for sins they had committed in their lives. So here's these 10 lepers and they're standing at a distance because that's what was socially acceptable in the time. They were cut off from society. So here they are, they've heard about Jesus, they've heard the rumours, but they're not getting too close because of the law. And they cry out to Jesus and they say, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says to them, interestingly, He says, go and show yourself to the priests. At that time, if you wanted to be declared healed, according to the law, you had to go to the priests and almost get sign off. Yeah, I'm healed, I'm, I'm good to go. So that's what uh, these 10 lepers did. They headed off to see the priests, but in the process, one of them, he realised as he was going to the priests that things were changing. I can imagine him looking at his skin going, what on earth is going on here? And him feeling different. And all of a sudden he realises he is healed and he runs back to Jesus, throws himself at the feet of Jesus and begins to thank him. At that point, Jesus asks a very interesting question. He says, where are the other nine? Why have they not returned to give thanks? Now, this is an interesting question because Jesus has just told them to go to the priests and to prove that they're healed. And now he's saying to this one, where are the other nine? Why didn't they do what you did and returned to me before they got to the priests? You see, what Jesus was doing here was he was testing the motives of their heart. The nine were so focused on keeping external rules, so focused on going to the priest so they could get sign off and transition back into a new way of life that they never thought, hey, maybe I should return and give thanks to the one that's healed me. But the one, the Samaritan, he, as he was heading to the priest and he realised what was going on, he goes, hang on, transitioning back into a normal life can wait. Going and seeing the priest and, sign, and ticking that religious box, that can wait because this man, Jesus, has just change my life forever. I'm going to go back to Him and give thanks and, and go to Him with a heart that's overflowing with gratitude. He has healed my life. He has changed my life forever. You see, God is not looking for our compliance with an external set of rules, but He is looking for an expression of gratitude that flows from the heart where we would come to a place where we go, God, the last 20 months or so have been really challenging, but I thank you, God, that I'm still standing today. I thank you that your grace has sustained me. I thank you that you have protected my family. I thank you that I am still blessed. I thank you that I still have a future in Jesus' name. I'm not gonna get on with what's ahead of me without giving thanks for what you have done in this season. See, the nine... They followed the rules of their faith, but they missed the point of their faith, which was Jesus. You see, the nine, they were so caught up in the healing that had occurred that they missed the healer. 
They were so caught up in what had happened that they never returned to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss the healer. I don't wanna miss the point of our faith. I don't wanna miss the point of our lives, which is to know God, which is to follow Jesus. But let's be honest, this afternoon, we can all be real in church. I would love to be able to say that generally, nine times out of 10, I'm like the one and I return with a heart of thankfulness. But let's be honest, a lot of the time, my life and I look like the nine, where God will bless my life or God will answer a prayer and I can be so busy with life, I can be so busy with getting on and enjoying that blessing that I forget to turn back with a posture that is towards God where I say thank you for what you've just done in my life. Isn't it so easy to get caught up in the blessing that we forget to return to the blesser, to the one that's made it possible? The reality is gratitude isn't some, something that comes naturally to the majority of us. Have you ever noticed if there's 10 things in your life that are going incredibly well, but there's just one thing over here that's not going so well, what do we do? We focus on the one thing that's not going so well. It's human nature to default to this thing. You see, you and I, unfortunately, since the fall, we don't default towards gratitude. We default towards fear and worry which is why it's so important that we learn to live intentionally and we develop a heart of gratitude, a posture of gratitude. There are some very real obstacles to gratitude that we all face. And the first one, and the one that I think is really significant, is familiarity. Whenever something becomes overly familiar to us, it can quickly become something we take for granted. Can't it? It can quickly become something we take for granted. I mean, um, living in Melbourne here, we have amazing coffee. Thank you, Jesus, for good coffee. And the majority of mornings I wake up and I have a really good coffee because Melbourne has great cafes and great uh, coffee on offer. And to be honest, most days when I'm sipping that coffee, I'm not going, wow, I am blessed. I'm so glad I live in Melbourne. Like if I was in another part of the world, this coffee would not be as good. Why? Because I'm familiar with good coffee. We enjoy it every day, so we can easily take it for granted. My best friend, he lives in London. Now, he tells me the coffee in London isn't nearly as good as Melbourne. Now, when he's back in Melbourne visiting, I'll call him up and say, hey, what are you up to? What are you doing today? He's like, oh, I'm at the coffee shop having coffee. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, he's like, come and meet me. I'm like, okay. And then later in the day, um, I'll call him up. I'll be like, what are you up to? He's like, oh, I'm just down at another coffee shop having some coffee. I'm like, you must have a decent coffee budget, buddy, because you're always getting coffee. And then the next day, I'm like, let's hang out. Let's catch up. Where is he? He's getting a coffee again. Literally, when he is in Melbourne, he goes from one cafe to the next, trying one coffee to the next because he lives in London and he's not used to good coffee. He doesn't take Melbourne's coffee for granted. What about the Bible? What about the Bible? Um, we are privileged, I'm privileged to have many, many Bibles, all different translations, not just paperback, but I've got Logos Bible software. I've got every option available to me under the sun. It is right there. And can I be honest with you this morning? 
this afternoon. In the mornings, uh, most days I wake up and read the Bible. But if I'm to be honest with you, I don't wake up every single day going, this is incredible. Thank you so much, God, that I get to read the Bible. Like this is manna from heaven. Early in the morning, let's be honest, we don't always feel spiritual. Can we be real today? Because the Bible is readily available to us. It is familiar. It's not new to me. I grew up hearing this stuff. Sometimes I can take it for granted. But people in other parts of the world that don't have access to Bibles, they do not take the Word of God for granted. I recently saw an old video. It was of a bunch of Chinese teenagers opening a box of Bibles, their very own Bibles for the very first time. And when they saw that box open, they flocked to this thing. They jumped on this thing. They grabbed their Bibles. They were holding them up, opening them, and they were literally in tears. Why? They did not take the Bible for granted because they had become overly familiar with the Word of God. They didn't have daily access to the Word of God. When something becomes overly familiar, we can easily take it for granted. What about the grace of God? The fact that we don't have to spend the entirety of our lives trying to get God on our side but through the perfect finished work of Jesus, we are eternally loved and accepted. So when we sin and when we fall short, we don't have to go away and climb a spiritual ladder to atone for our sin, but because of Jesus, we can receive that grace and live in that grace daily. But how easy is it to take the grace of God for granted? It is so easy to Forget that we get to live in that grace. We get to live lives that are empowered by that grace every single day. You see, the saying familiarity breeds contempt is so true. Regular association with someone or something can lead to complacency. And it can mean we lose our awe and our wonder and our gratitude. But I don't know about you, I, I want to continue to have a heart that is full of awe and wonder. And when I look at God and when I worship God, my heart overflows with a sense of, I cannot believe I get to know this God and worship this God. I want to be someone that develops that turn back posture. I don't want to be a Christian that becomes so professional and so mature where I feel I've arrived and I forget to actually go back to Jesus regularly and say, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you for the gifts you have given me. And it's for these reasons that we need to practice gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You see, gratitude is a discipline before it's ever a feeling. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every morning going, I just cannot wait to express my thanks and my gratitude today. But generally, I'll wake up in the morning and go, okay, what is the greatest problem that I have to solve today? Or what's not going right in my life. We don't always feel like expressing it, and especially when we're going through challenging circumstances like we have the last 18 months. But I tell you what, something begins to shift as soon as we open our mouths and continue to declare who God is and to allow our hearts to overflow with gratitude and thankfulness. What happens in that moment is we find perspective. What happens in that moment is we live according to the eternal rather than the 
temporary that is before us. Gratitude is warfare. Giving thanks is one of the greatest weapons we have to fight off the lies of the enemy. See, what the enemy loves to do is he loves to get us to a place where we're so focused and we're so fixed on the problem that all we can see before us is a problem. All we can see before us is an issue. And when all we can see is the issue, we begin to live lives that are full of despair. But as soon as we flick that switch and we go, hang on, I'm not going to entertain the lies of the enemy, but I'm going to declare who God is. I'm going to express a heart of gratitude. I'm going to continue to say, God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my health. I thank you for my future. All of a sudden, we begin to fight off those lies and we begin to silence the lying voice of the enemy. He is a liar and the father of lies and he wants, to, uh, he wants to convince us that there is not good things ahead, but he is a liar. Give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude is also one of the greatest weapons we have to fight destructive thinking in our minds. It's scientifically proven that when we express gratitude, when we think the right way, We literally change the wiring of our brains. Don't you love when the Bible and science line up and complement each other? And we have that opportunity to shape our minds and to shape the way our minds act and behave through how we choose to think. The second obstacle we face is entitlement. Have you ever noticed that entitlement has a way of robbing your heart of gratitude? You see... Entitlement says, I deserve it and I have a right to it. Therefore, when I get it, I don't need to say thank you. Why would I say thank you? I deserve it. I've worked for it. I have a right to it. But on the contrary, the gospel says, I don't deserve a single thing other than eternal separation from the Father because of my sin and my wrongdoing. But through Jesus, because of Jesus, I've received every single thing that I need for life and abundant life. Therefore, I will be someone that always overflows with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude. When you get a revelation of the fact that we didn't deserve what we have in Jesus, it changes everything. And you see Adam and Eve, and they, in the same way, they were given everything. But Satan comes in and he convinces them that they are entitled to eat from the tree of knowledge. And in that moment, he tricked them into believing that they were entitled to know what God knew. And as a result of that entitlement... (laughs) They experienced incredible consequences. You see, entitlement is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to live. It is an incredibly dangerous place to live. But to live in a place of humility and gratitude is an incredibly safe place to live where the possibilities in your life are absolutely endless. And for me personally, one of the things that I never want to take for granted is the support and the help we have um, with our kids, having three young kids and um, being a part of ministry and leading a church, a congregation. There's, there's a lot that goes on and Ra's parents are incredibly helpful. They often look after the kids and they'll have sleepovers and things like that. And to be honest, I don't think we could do what we do without them. Now, worldly thinking would say, hey, they're grandparents, 
I mean, that's what grandparents do. Grandparents are there to look after the grandchildren. That's their job. Like, you don't need to thank them. You don't need to express gratitude. Like, that is their role. If they're retired, they should be looking after the grandkids. But that is worldly thinking. Gospel thinking is, hey, they are going out of the way to help us. They are going out of their way. They're giving their time and their energy to support us. And I never want to take things like that for granted, but I always want to be someone that acknowledges and sees what they are doing for us and comes and simply says, thank you. Thank you for the role that you are playing. And relationship experts, the Gottmans, they say, one of the top ingredients for thriving relationships is expressing gratitude. Uh, simply expressing gratitude. We naturally take people for granted. We all do it. Um, and sadly, it's often those closest to us that we take for granted. And the truth is that one word, thank you, has the power to literally change the trajectory of a relationship. That word, thank you, has the power to mend a broken relationship. That word, thank you, has the power to bring unity where there was once disunity, to grow an existing relationship. It is so simple. Just earlier today, my dad called me up on the phone and um, I helped him move house yesterday. And he called me up and he said, hey, I just want to call you to say thank you for yesterday. Um, you put in a huge effort. We got so much done. I feel so much lighter. I feel good about the future because we, we nailed it yesterday. And it was a really simple thing, but the simple act of my dad calling me up, going out of his way to say thank you, in that moment, I felt valued. I felt appreciated. I felt like, hey, he's not taking the efforts I put in and, you know, leaving Ra at home with the three young kids and all that, which I'm sure she was really happy about, and heading out and helping my dad. He's not taking that for granted, but that simple word expression of thank you made me feel valued. One of the things that gratitude leads to is contentment. If you want to live a frustrated human life, I've got the key for you. Here's the key ingredient. If you're like, I just really want to live a frustrated life, here it is. Do not miss it. Never celebrate your wins and spend your energy focusing on problems in life. There is the perfect ingredient, just in case you wanted to live a frustrated life. But on the contrary, if you want to live a life of contentment, celebrate your wins always and count your blessings. Count the blessings in your life. Maybe, I don't know, you've got to go for a walk in the afternoon, in the evening after work and just call to mind all the things God's done. Maybe it's in the morning, you need to keep a journal and write down, hey, there's a lot of things that aren't going to plan. There's a lot of challenging things in the world we live in. But God, I'm so grateful that I get to go to work today. I'm so grateful that I get to drive my kids to kinder or to school. I'm so grateful that I've got people calling me to check in and see how I'm doing. Gratitude leads to contentment. And for me, when I find myself frustrated, which happens occasionally or maybe a bit on edge, the majority of the time it's because something hasn't gone to plan. I like to have things nice and ordered and neat and to be organized and on top of things. But when things don't go to plan or pan out the way that I want them to, I can find myself a little bit frustrated. Yes, I've been a little bit frustrated at times over the last 20 months 
or so. But the truth is, as soon as I begin to shift my gaze, shift my focus to who God is, what he's like and what he's done in my life and where he's taking my life, all of a sudden I begin to rediscover the perspective of the Bible and my mind shift begins to change. What we focus on matters. Paul says in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Something I want to get better at is replacing my complaint with gratitude. I wonder what would happen if whenever we went to complain, we replaced that complaint with gratitude. Instead of going to complain about our church, instead we replace that complaint with something we love about our church. Instead of complaining about our kids and all the work that they're causing and that, we go, hang on, I'm going to, instead of doing that, I'm going to express something I love about that child. Instead of complaining about that family member who just does our head in, who is a piece of work and is frustrating, instead of complaining about, yes, I've got a few of those, no joking. Instead of complaining about that, we go, hang on, I love this quality about that person. We replace the complaint with something we're grateful for. And I'm not talking here about idealism and pretending everything's okay and never having an issue. We need to be real with God and others at time, times. There's a place for that. But we also need to be intentional in the way we speak and where our minds go and how we live our lives. Hear this. Your relationship with gratitude will determine whether life is a gift to be enjoyed or a burden to be endured. Your, relation, your relationship with gratitude will determine whether life is a gift to be enjoyed or a burden to be endured. Some of us need to take that seriously. There is nothing more powerful than praising God, thanking God, not just for what He has done, but for who He is. Remembering and focusing on how good His character is, how good His nature is and celebrating that. Where I want us to finish this afternoon is where we started. The leper in Luke 17 didn't return to Jesus empty-handed, but he returned to Jesus with a sacrifice of praise, with an offering of thanks, with an offering of gratitude. He realized that Jesus had given him the greatest gift he had ever received and had changed his life forever. And my hope is that our response to this message would be something like, God, I thank you that you have given me absolutely everything. Therefore, I respond to that by giving you all of who I am. I respond to what you've done for me upon that cross by surrendering afresh all of who I am. I come before you and I say, Jesus, have it all. Have my life. Lead me forward because I want to learn to live with you and to have a heart that has a posture to turn back and say thank you. Thank you for joining us for this message today. 
We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.